1: Welcome to our number two of a football Friday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid network. I am Ben Stevens. A football Friday to get you set for conference championship Sunday. Just a couple of days away. We have arrived at the weekend. The second to last weekend of true NFL football. The second to last true football Friday right here on on TMA a great guest list for you in this second hour both perspectives for the AFC and NFC title game we will be joined by Cody Tapp to talk some Kansas City Chiefs heading in to that conference championship matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals inside Arrowhead the first game up on Sunday afternoon and then Jake Ellenbogen makes his return to the morning after to detail how the Rams will try to snap the skid six straight losses against the San Francisco 49ers but before we get to all of that we also need to take you around the sports landscape conference championship sunday is two days away we got some great action tonight in the nba we had some great action last night and of course a wonderful college basketball slate on saturday we will preview here in just a couple of moments let's look back on the two games last night around the association no lebron james for the lakers last night in the city of brotherly love in philadelphia knee soreness kept lebron out of this matchup against the sixers early in the day it was philly as a two two and a half point favorite the line closed closer to six and no matter for philly they win big 105 87 over los angeles easily covering as a six six and a half point favorite now here's the thing about Joel Embiid: still a great night right 26 points nine boards That's good stuff out of JoJo, but just the second time in the last 16 games, Joel Embiid has not scored at least 30 points. However, on the other side, despite the 18-point loss, a good bright spot for the Lakers without LeBron James. Anthony Davis, in only his second game back, played 34 minutes last night, 31 points, 12 boards, also his second straight game since his return with four blocks now the Sixers are playing really good basketball they've won three straight and 13 of their last 16 games so a sustained stretch of good basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers they've also covered 11 times in that 16 game span the Lakers on the other hand falling below 500 yet again 24 and 25 straight up as an underdog last night did not cover as a dog this year eight and eight against the spread and there has been some movement in Philly's favor Based on this good recent form. Now back to plus 900 in the Eastern Conference. That was the price on Philadelphia entering the season. Now plus 900 once again. The fourth best odds behind the Heat, the Bucks, and the Nets. Also some movement from a team market to an individual market. Also at the benefit of the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid is now your favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NBA MVP. Plus plus. 270 despite not scoring 30 points last night but still a good performance of 26 and 9. So plus 270 now for Jojo as the favorite and the front runner to win the NBA MVP. He was plus 350 last night entering the game against the Lakers. Giannis the second best odds at plus 300, the favorite for most of the year and Stephen Curry now the third best odds at plus 400. Steph just about a week and a half ago had a short price At plus 180, over $2 of movement against The Chef, now 4-1. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. The second hour of a football Friday, now talking basketball right here on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. And I am Ben Stevens. Speaking of Steph Curry, the third best price to win the NBA MVP. No longer the favorite on fan, but still plus 400. A great night last night for the Warriors and Steph Curry knocking off the Minnesota Timberwolves at home, 124-115. Golden State has now won four straight games, covering last night as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, the second straight cover in a row as well for Golden State, over in two straight with the total of 229 and a hook going over last night. Now, Golden State has been favored in their last six straight games third best cover percentage as a favorite this year 22 14 and three that record against the spread the t wolves had been playing good basketball entering last night winners of eight of their last 11 games but only covered twice in their last eight games steph as i mentioned a good night the third best odds now to win the mvp led the way for the dubs 29 points six of 10 for deep cat on the other side carl anthony towns 31 points 12 boards and six assists also, a ton of action on this Friday night to get you into your weekend around the association. In Milwaukee tonight, the Bucs, a nine-point favorite against the New York Knicks, an over-under of 216.5. Now, Milwaukee coming off a loss of the Cleveland Cavaliers just a couple of nights back. That snapped a three-game win streak. Milwaukee, the favorite tonight by nine points. They've been favored in 38 of 50 games this year, including in nine straight, but just 17-21 against the spread. I want to talk about the Knicks struggles offensively. They have scored 90 points or below in 4 of their last 6. And you see that total of 216 and a half, not record breaking by any means for an NBA basketball game, but that 216 and a half for an over under is the largest total for the Knicks since the end of November. That total was 217 against the Hawks on November 27th and it went under. That's ridiculous. Meanwhile, the 216 and a half for the Bucs is the smallest total since the end of December. Juxtaposition in points at a premium tonight in Milwaukee. That's tonight. How about a Saturday Slayton College basketball to delight you, to get you ready for conference championship Sunday? We get in the zone next here on the morning after. conference championship sunday in the nfl and a football friday here on the morning after on sports grid and serious xm channel 159 i am ben stevens but before we get to sunday allow us to take a peek at the saturday slate in college basketball because it is a great one big 12 sec challenge to detail and we will do that right now also looking back on last night to set up the weekend of college basketball ahead. We do that all in our favorite place. It's time to get in the zone. You can't beat the zone. You can't beat the zone here on the morning after, but you can beat the zone if you're playing the Syracuse Orange. Yes, I'm still bitter about the direction of my alma mater in the once great Syracuse men's basketball program. Retire, Jim Beheim. Anyway, Ben, let's get back on track and let's go to the big 10 conference because a huge game last night for top 10 Purdue on the road in Iowa City taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes Purdue closing as a two-point favorite last night on the road against the Hawks and they got a big victory in big 10 play 83-73 covering as a two-point favorite and now Purdue who has struggled to cover this year in big 10 play is covered in two straight games the total came down to 154 and a half That total going over last night, thanks to a late bucket from Keegan Murray of Iowa. You might have been tilting hard had you had that over or under of the total last night. Now, the Boilers have been a favorite in all but one of their nine conference games this year. Just three and five against the spread, including their most recent two straight covers. But they have covered in four of their last five games overall. Four Purdue players in double figures last night. Trevion Williams, the outstanding big man for Matt Painter and the Boilermakers, who really does it all, showed that last night against Iowa. 12 points, 10 boards, 5 assists—the best passing big man in all of college hoops. Jaden Ivy also 15 points off the bench for the Purdue Boilermakers. Now Iowa falls below 500 in conference action. Just four and five straight up for Fran McCaffrey and country and company. Three and six against the spread. The Iowa Hawkeyes so far in Big Ten play. And now we look at the Big Ten title odds because Purdue was the favorite entering the year or at least early in the year. Their odds got as long as plus 510. Now the second best price at plus 280. Illinois remains the favorite at plus 210, tied for the best conference record at 7-2 and two straight up along with the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, now Purdue is 6-3 and three straight up in conference play, so they trail that top spot in the Big Ten standings. Wisconsin, you see there, the third-best odds, plus 400. They won last night as well on the road against Nebraska. Michigan State, plus 600, the fourth-best odds. And then Ohio State, the fifth-best odds at plus 750. Both Wisconsin and Ohio State winning yesterday. Ohio State against Minnesota, and as I mentioned, Wisconsin against Nebraska. So that's how things stand in the Big Ten. Let's go big picture right now to look at, at the national championship market as we enter this weekend of college basketball action the final weekend in January for college hoops which means February the final month really remaining of conference play then we get into conference tournaments early on in the month of March and then of course March means the madness as we get ready for the NCAA tournament you might just start to pay attention to college basketball as football is winding down. But we're already deep into the season and the conference slate. So Gonzaga, the favorite says they have been all year long to win the national championship at plus 650. The Zags also winners last night. Baylor and Duke tied for the second best odds at 10 to one. Purdue threw the second best odds in the big 10, the fourth best odds to win the Natty at 11 to one. Auburn and Kentucky tied for the fifth best odds to win the national championship. At 30-1. to Now, there is also a further market on the FanDuel Sportsbook as it pertains to cutting down the nets in early April for college basketball. Which conference will win the national championship? And right now, the two best prices, the Big 12 and the SEC. I bring that up for a specific reason. The Big 12, the favorites right now to be the conference to hoist the national championship trophy at plus 360. The SEC only 30 cents behind at plus plus. 390 so that leads us very well into the big 12 sec challenge this weekend full of marquee matchups across your saturday slate and at the top of the board if you uh subscribe to kenpalm.com as many of us do that follow college basketball he has something called the fan match category that not only predicts outcomes of basketball games and is so eerily similar to what the numbers end up being for a spread in a total but also indicates how good the matchup we can expect it to be. And at the top of his board is a great game tomorrow between Kentucky and Kansas at the Fog in Lawrence. Allen Fieldhouse, it is going to be a great battle between two Blue Bloods in this sport. And if you go off of those Big 12 title odds right now, Kansas, the favorite to win the Big 12 Conference at plus plus. 155 hosting kentucky who has the second best odds in the sec we'll look at those sec odds in just a few moments but first we start with kentucky coming from the sec because as i mentioned ken palm predicts the outcomes of games They are very, very similar to what the line ends up being that is set on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Really, a pretty close average margin of about one point of difference at most. So, he thinks Kansas is going to win by two points, which means that if you correlate that to the betting markets, KU should be around a point, point and a half, two, two and a half point favorite. Something around that number so Kentucky as an underdog this year they've only been a dog three times have the cats from Lexington 0 and 3 against the number and obviously then straight up as well against good competition Duke in their season opener LSU early on in SEC play and then against Auburn this past Saturday again the Wildcats 0 and 3 against the spread as an underdog this year Kansas has been a favorite in every single game they've won five straight but they've only covered once in their last six ball games. The Big 12 SEC Challenge, chock full of great games on this Saturday slate. So, if that's a great one between Kentucky and Kansas, two of the premier blue blood programs in this entire sport, so is Baylor going on the road to Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Now, Baylor, the second best odds in the Big 12 championship market at plus 190, taking on an Alabama team out of the SEC. That is struggling mightily right now. Let's talk about Alabama first. They lost to Georgia on Tuesday night. Now, Georgia is not a formidable side in the SEC. In fact, let me get these odds up here. I believe Georgia has the longest odds, not quite, the third or tied for the longest price to win the SEC at 500-1 to alongside South Carolina, Missouri, and Ole Miss. Also, Alabama has lost to Missouri and has not covered twice as a double-digit favorite against the Tigers from Columbia. So, Alabama is struggling. Lost to Georgia on Tuesday night. They've lost four of their last six games. And how about this for a trend perspective? The Crimson Tide have only covered once in their last 12 games. Their last cover, though, was as an underdog on the road against Florida. Baylor, on the other hand, the number one team in the country a couple of weeks ago that lost back-to-back home games, the first time that's happened in the history of college basketball, where a number one team at home lost two straight games. Well, since then, Baylor has responded. They have won three straight. They have covered in three straight, all as a favorite under in five of their last six for Scott Drew and company as well. Now, Auburn in the SEC, as you will see, the number one team in the country in the latest AP poll, The Tigers The new number one, the first time ranked number one overall in men's basketball program history. A heavy, heavy favorite to win the Southeastern Conference in men's basketball. Minus 550 to win the SEC. Auburn hosts Oklahoma on Saturday in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. There are a couple of great games that you can expect to see throughout your Saturday slate when it comes to the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Marquee games like Kansas and Kentucky, Baylor, Alabama, I believe Texas and Tennessee, Auburn and Oklahoma as well. And a great one in the Big East that we'll get to a little bit later on. Don't forget about the Jack Cap of the Week to set you up for your Saturday slate in college basketball. But back to Conference Championship Sunday on this Football Friday next here on The Morning After Football Friday on the morning after here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159 just two days out from conference championship Sunday in the NFL I am Ben Stevens now very pleased to welcome on Cody Tapp he works for 610 sports radio in Kansas City here for some Chiefs chat to provide the perspective we need for the AFC championship game between the Chiefs and the Bengals on Sunday in Kansas City where Cody is right now. Cody, thank you for joining us so much on this Football Friday here on the Morning After. Of course, thanks so much for having me on. So, Cody, a very familiar situation for the Chiefs and Kansas City in general. Four straight years hosting the AFC Championship game. What does that say about this Kansas City organization as they look forward to taking on the Bengals on Sunday?
2: Uh, Obviously, they're the absolute peak of what any organization is in football right now which helps when you have the quarterback it's easier to be that if you have the quarterback to go with it but I mean it's rare like no teams very few teams ever have hosted or been to four straight title games anyway and then even fewer have been to three consecutive Super Bowls so it means everything in Kansas City because it was less than 10 years ago this was the worst team in the NFL and drafting number one overall and going through all their problems. And now, since Andy Reid's been here, all he's had is nine winning seasons. And he's been to four straight conference title games, like we mentioned, and he's won, you know, five straight. Like, it's it's a lot different than it was even just a few years ago.
1: Yeah, certainly so. So a very familiar spot for Kansas City against a team they have already played so far in the regular season. And we saw some line movement, Cody, this morning as it pertains to that spread for the AFC title matchup. It was seven for most of the week in favor of kansas city now the hook has been added on the chiefs laying seven and a half at home against the Bengals. a rather lofty spread for a conference championship matchup for sure and now you add on the hook what do you make of the number for the chiefs in the Bengals on sunday i mean i kind of thought the number was going to go down
2: at some point i was surprised vegas liked him as much as a touchdown i thought seven i was like oh i kind of thought maybe we're gonna get six six and a half okay they like full-blown seven and now it's just gone up Like, I think a lot of this is just coming off the hype from the Bills. Like, I I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I have a lot of different ways where you'd be like, okay, how are the Bengals going to do it? And I don't think they all work out. But laying seven points in an AFC title game, even if the Chiefs have won both of the last two AFC title games, by more than that, they won both of them by double digits. They didn't have any trouble moving on from those teams. It just feels like a lot, especially with the the offensive firepower the Bengals have. Like, I I don't think I would bet the Chiefs' side of it, even if I think they're going to win.
1: Yeah, I think it's very difficult now to feel good about that number with the hook added on for the Chiefs. You mentioned that idea of this big spread where the Chiefs have won the last two AFC title games by double digits, but still, that's a really large number. And we'll see what that number does by the time we get to Sunday afternoon. Might some more public investment on those underdog types for the Bengals move this number back down to seven or maybe even trickle below. That we await for the AFC title game on Sunday but Cody like you mentioned you look at the over under 54 and a half and you think of how Cincinnati gets to covering this number by maybe approaching things with that high powered offense what do you think the game plan looks like for Cincinnati on Sunday you know most
2: teams think they have a plan for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the postseason and they never do that's where like those over-unders really come to play Travis Kelsey's had a 100-yard receiving game, you know, five of his last six times out. He was at 96 yards last time, so essentially a 100-yard game anyway. And the Chiefs are scoring. They're going to score more than 30. That's 100% guaranteed. Yep. For the Bengals, their hope is that they can find a way to slow down Travis Kelsey, but they don't really have the personnel. A few teams do, but they don't even have the personnel to do it. And so there, a lot of it is going to be hoping for turnovers, like hoping they get pressure, hoping Trey Hendrickson causes problems, and the last time out, the Chiefs still got to 30. And, and and for the same side, the reason why the over kind of feels good in this game is Kansas City in their last five games, that's not playing Ben Roethlisberger because he can't play or is not playing anymore anyway, but he couldn't play then either. But he they've led up 400 total yards of offense and 30-plus points per game. So, I mean, they're, they're giving up their fair share as well. But I just I don't know that the Bengals' plan of like, oh, we'll slow down Travis. That's what they'll try to do, but I don't know that it'll work.
1: Yeah, I think the blueprint now, Cody, when you look at how to compete with the Chiefs is, it's not slowing down the Chiefs offense or trying to slow down time of possession and pace of play for the game. It's You need to have the offensive firepower to be able to yeah. match what Kansas City can do. The Bengals' team total for Sunday is 23 points. I think if they have any hope of being competitive in that game, covering that seven and a half point spread, they need to go over that number. You mentioned the defensive side, for kansas city obviously one of the glaring weaknesses this past week against the bills was the loss of tyron matthew what's the latest update on tyron matthew and his potential to return for sunday's game against the Bengals?
2: he's not technically out of concussion protocol but he was a full participant in practice yesterday so he's out like he has to see how he feels today just as long as he tests out he'll be in the game and steve spagnolo after the game he was honest about gabriel davis because you're like okay i mean they shut down Diggs, but gabriel davis had 200 yards and four touchdowns and he was like a 500 yard receiver this year it's like well the entire middle part of the field essentially game plan was around tyron matthew and then he got knocked out and then we didn't have an answer for it i think that's it the thing that the thing about the chiefs defense that i'm still curious to see is they they do still play sometimes great and cincinnati for as good as they looked the last time they played kansas city on defense in the postseason of seven field goals to three touchdowns and i'm just i can't figure out if that is more of an indicator of they're not playing as good of offense as they were a couple of weeks ago, or if they just went mm-hmm. against some defenses that had them figured out better in Kansas City will. But I like for, for Matthew, he is so vitally important to any ability to slow them down. Plus, don't, don't discount Rashad Fenton either, who was a floor participant yesterday. Yeah. They were down a corner in the game, obviously, against the Bills last week.
1: Evan McPherson for the Cincinnati Bengals, the rookie kicker out of Florida, has been fantastic. If you're a Bengals backer, you do not want to see him on the field unless it's an extra point try against Kansas City on Sunday afternoon. 34 points scored by the Bengals in that Week 17 regular season matchup. A great game in Cincinnati. The Bengals using that victory to clinch the AFC North Kansas City a lead at the half they wanted that game to earn the number one overall seed in the AFC Cody what do you think we can learn from that first matchup between these two sides back in week number 17
2: the second half scoring I'll tell you you're going to look at that and you're going to say oh the Bengals figured it out no the Chiefs only had three possessions one ended in a field goal that, that only because of penalty or it would have been a touchdown the other one was in field goal range and then a phantom holding call pulled them back and the third time they got to midfield and punted on like a fourth and three so they moved the ball the Chiefs will score more than that I think you can learn from that I also think that if you're just blindly going to be like well Jamar Chase is going to go over whatever number his has been bought up to and it has gone up quite a bit you're just like oh well he'll go over because he was that's not usually how these rematches work like Charveris Ward this season has typically been very good in those one-on-one situations he wasn't against Chase but I don't think that if given the exact same game plan and Ward up there I think they'll do better like so I think I think there is something to learn and like don't just take his number for there but I do look a little bit at that last matchup and see that you know the way Cincinnati scored uh, in the last game I mean I, they've got weapons T Higgins Uzama, whoever it's going to be they are still a problem
1: yeah big receiving yardage props for this matchup obviously what we can expect offensively Jamar Chase is 85 and a half. T Higgins 70 and a half both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey at 76 and a half Cody do you think those numbers are in play and what we can expect to see offensively on Sunday
2: Tyreek Kill's always a little more of kind of a guessing game when it comes to that department he'll go he'll hit his under occasionally because Travis Kelsey will just go off but I mean 77 yards I like the over and I think the Bengals are going to use Higgins more I'd be more inclined to go under on Jamar Chase and over on Higgins, because if I were the Bengals, I would be looking at what just the Bills did and say, well, why don't we try to attack the middle of the field this time instead? They think we're going to go outside to Jamar Chase. We have T Higgins. We have Tyler Boyd. Why not find out whether those guys can be big weapons for us? Because the Bengals did get stopped in that game against Kansas City. They punted plenty. Mm-hmm. Like, despite, and they still got themselves in third and 20-plus situations And just threw it up to Jamar Chase. If they're smart about it, I think they'll utilize those other guys. I kind of like the overs for Higgins and Boyd more than I like the over for, I like the under more for Chase.
1: Yeah, and T.E. Higgins' number has increased as well throughout the week. You see Travis Kelsey there, 76.5 over in both playoff games so far for KC. Also, the strongest odds to find the end zone this weekend, Cody, at minus. 155 he has scored in five straight it makes sense but I want to focus on Casey's running backs or Jarek McKinnon who kind of does it all plus 105 to find Pater Clyde Edwards alaire at plus 140 what do you think the ground attack will look like for that Chiefs offense on Sunday
2: I mean they started Jarek McKinnon in the last game I think if you go into next year Clyde might be their starter again but Jarek McKinnon is going to be their starter in this game guessing touchdowns that's tough. Inside the red zone, yeah. they'll give it to literally anyone. Kelsey is your only sure bet touchdown. Jarek's not. Clyde's not. You know, Daryl Williams, certainly not. Like, you just don't know who they're going to give the ball to. Like, sometimes they give it to Blake Bell to run it in, or they let Travis Kelsey pass it. Like, the inside the 5 or the 10, guessing who's going to get the ball for the Chiefs right now? No. I, I. It's not even, like, a fun game to play if you're trying to gamble. At all, but at least on the other end, like Travis Kelsey, if you're looking for a sure bet touchdown, that's the guy. The overs on the yardage, that's your guy. There's a reason why he keeps
3: yeah. performing
1: in the postseason. Sometimes they'll put the tight end Blake Bell in there to take an option snap and try to run it in. You never know yeah. what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are going to do. Short yardage opportunities near the goal line. Here's what I like, Cody. Byron Pringle, plus 170, was plus 200 last week to find the end zone, and he did. Three touchdowns so far in the postseason, at least seven targets. In both games, becoming more utilized in that offense. Cody Tapp from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, breaking it down for the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Cody, thank you so much. Where are you watching on Sunday here quickly?
2: I'll just, home. I'm not, you know what? It's just too much stress to go to the stadium on occasion for a game this big. This one I'm watching at home.
1: Hey, everybody in Kansas City excited for the fourth straight year. Cody, thank you so very much. More Football Friday coming up next here on the Morning After on Sports.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: from the afc championship game to the nfc title bout right here on a football friday on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 and all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens at this point jake ellenbogen is a regular contributor to tma here on the grid he joins us now once again to look ahead to the nfc championship showdown between two NFC West divisional foes. Jake, thank you for joining us once again on this Football Friday. Can't wait to break down this game with you.
3: Absolutely, Ben. Thank you guys so much for uh, bringing me on once again. Love being on here.
1: You can catch all of Jake's insight and expertise for Downtown Rams, where he covers the LA Rams and, of course, on his YouTube page as well, breaking down Rams, NFL, all things you need to know to become a more engaged and better sports fan. So, Jake, let's start with the NFC Championship game overall before we dive into the nitty-gritty three and a half point spread in favor of the Rams and over under that has trickled down slightly to 45 in a hook as divisional opponents they have already played twice this year the spread for both of those games three and a half points in favor of Los Angeles and of course we know the Niners won both of those games outright how does Los Angeles flip the script now for this NFC championship game
3: well, Ben, I think, you know, right off the rip, you have to look at the way this team's played the last two weeks, the response. That's what I think Sean McVay was really trying to drive home. We're not going to let this game uh, pretty much be the deciding factor of our season. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Now that you're in the playoffs, you go and you win and you're down to the last two. And you, yes, you put them in this situation. You put them in a you know, the position to be able to play for a Super Bowl. uh, You have to live with that, but you really have to live with it if you lose. Uh, So, you know, obviously the message has to be for Sean McVay, you know, to his team is like, do you want them inhabiting the locker room, you know, in two weeks, you know, for the Super Bowl? I mean, because that's what's going to happen. They're going to kick you right out of your own home. And they'll be doing that. And then it really will be Levi South. So I just think, you know, the way they've responded, you know, mainly if I could put, you know, a finger on anything. I just love the way they responded. You look at week 18, running the ball three times and punting it away, doing the play not to lose move. I think they did such a great job responding to that, learning from their mistakes. You had the blowout win against Arizona. You're not going to learn much in blowout wins. But however, you know, they go up 27 to 3. Everything goes wrong towards the end of that game, puts the Buccaneers back in the driver's seat. They score with Leonard Fournette, and I can tell you right now, yeah, I mean, you watch the game, everybody in that stadium probably thought one thing, going to overtime, Tom Brady, they'll, they'll take the odds there. We're probably going to win this football game. And the Rams came out, and they actually they had a weird QB sneak with Matthew Stafford, but the two throws to Cooper Cup were just incredible, and it shows you why they went out and got Stafford in the first place and it shows you why McVay needs to not just run three times and punt the ball and play, you know, prevent defense the rest of the way they can win the thing with his arm.
1: Yeah, so Jake, I think you bring up a great point, whether it was last week in the divisional round against the Bucks when the Rams were up 27 to three midway through the third and then slightly got conservative offensively and obviously some costly fumbles that kept the Buccaneers involved in that football game or even the regular season finale against the Niners up 17 nothing late in the first half then 17-3 at the halftime break there seemed to be like the Rams shut it down slightly offensively what has Sean McVay had to say about that and what do you expect to see if the Rams get out to a lead this Sunday against the Niners
3: Well, you know, I really expect them to continue playing their style of football. I mean, really, that game could have been a blowout if not for the Cam Akers fumble at the one-yard line, Mm. Uh, you know, a very uncharacteristic fumble from Cooper Cup, and then a bad snap. I mean, Von Miller, you know, forcing a takeaway and then you just giving it right back. Uh, That's just not really – that's not Rams football. I mean, what that was, the fact – like, I will look at it like this. Anyone can look at turnovers as a negative, and they are. But when you're able to win – it's kind of the, you know, the very, uh, I guess, you know, very tacky cliche of, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It, it's in play here because what I was saying during the Rams winning streak after they lost to the Packers, after they made, you know, crucial adjustments to the run game, they tightened up the defense. They weren't playing so much. So bendo break. Uh, and, you know, they were changing their blocking schemes and, you know, really, you know, utilizing Sony Michelle, uh, you know, a little bit more in that. I think the thing here is that in that winning streak, they did have their wins against the Jaguars. They did dominate Arizona, even though that game ended up being way closer than it should have been. But they had those games against the Vikings, you know, where you go on the road, that team needed every win down the stretch. That's a desperate team. You go to Baltimore. I don't care that Lamar Jackson didn't play. 20-19, to winning games close like that kind of conditions you for the playoffs. And so that's why I felt really good about them, regardless of how the win went you know, or the loss went uh, to the Niners because the Niners needed it more. It, it sounds like a casual yep. fan perspective, but when you really realize the Rams didn't have too much to gain from it, you know, moving down from spot two to spot four, I mean, the four seed wins the Super Bowl uh, 6% more, you know, the time than the three seed. So it's like, I don't. I wouldn't have wanted the three seed, you know, it's really the one, the two, and the four. Uh, so it's one of those things where the Niners, they lose and they're done. So, I honestly, I don't look too much at that as if, you know, the Rams won that game. I look actually more if the Rams won that game. Who knows if they don't set up for a huge letdown, uh, you know, against Philly or whoever they would have played uh, in the next round.
1: So, Jake, outside of maybe the narrative around that Week 18 regular season finale, the Niners coming back, winning that football game, it was a win and you are in situation for San Francisco. From a matchup perspective or a game plan perspective, What stands out to you most from that week 18 regular season finale that you believe will have an impact on Sunday's NFC title game?
3: Well, the regular season finale, uh, the thing that I saw the most when it came to the Rams is they got on them early on 17 to three. They've had a hard time when they get off to a good lead that, you know, protecting it, unless it's against the New York giants or the Houston Texans or the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, that's a problem, but, it's the way you respond, and I think they kind of showed you last week. They can win these games even when Stafford's not turning the ball over and everyone else is, you know. Uh, they can win games when Stafford throws three picks. They they beat Minnesota, I believe, when he threw three picks. So, you know, I kind of feel like looking at the Niners game, uh, they didn't have Sebastian Joseph Day, who I think changes the game if he's available. Uh, all the other guys, and this is not being talked about enough, you got to ride the hot hand here. You know, Nick Scott is playing very well in the back end of the secondary. I I wouldn't be rushing to play, you know, Taylor Rapp fresh off a concussion. I wouldn't be rushing to play a rookie in Ernest Jones who's never played in a playoff game before just because that's the guy that got me there. I mean, the way Troy Reader has played, you know, using the green dot, and you have Traven Howard, you know, a former defensive back. I'm not taking those guys out of that position, but what I will say is that as great as Greg Gaines has been, I would definitely be rotating Sebastian Joseph Day in there if he does play because he had one of the best, you know, win rates in run blocking situations. He shreds blocks very well. He's one of the best run defenders interior. And when you go against this team, the thing that they want to do is run the ball. They want to protect Jimmy Garoppolo by not using him. They're 9-2 and and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw a touchdown. So it tells me that, you know, if they can limit that, then, you know, the Niners are going to feel good. But if the Rams can stop the run, And Jimmy Garoppolo has to play from behind. I don't think it matters about a 24-3, 27-3, even 17 to 3. I think the Rams right now, the way they're playing, they're in a rhythm here. And if they get down early, you know, the 49ers, it's gonna be hard to, to climb out of that hole because that's not a Tom Brady over there. That's not a Burrow and that's not a Mahomes. That's Garoppolo.
1: Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo pretty good in that regular season finale, frankly. 23 of 32, 316 yards. A touchdown and two interceptions. Matthew Stafford for the Rams on the other side. In that week 18 finale, 21-32. 238, three touchdowns, but two interceptions. But Jake, as you well know, this postseason, Matthew Stafford has been pretty darn perfect. Clean in terms of no interceptions thrown. And last week against the Buccaneers, a huge game. Throwing for 366 yards. What has impressed you most? about Matthew Stafford in this postseason run for the Rams?
3: Yeah, the thing that has impressed me the most about Matthew Stafford is just constantly throughout the season, he's had to respond. You know, things have gone well. Things have gone great. Things have gone, you know, almost perfect. But they, they've they never gone perfect. And it, it, you can't expect them to. When you lose a guy like Robert Woods in the middle of the season like that, uh, it, it's hard because... You know, that Niners game is almost a little bit of an anomaly. You know, 31-10 to in November. I mean, that Monday night football game, here's how it went down. You know, they had to change their entire game plan because the guy that tore his ACL on Friday, they didn't find out it was a torn ACL he's done for the year until Saturday. And then they have OBJ who just signed a contract. So he doesn't actually go through, you know, a week of practice. He doesn't even have a practice. They're like, hey, you know, you're going to have to go out there. Ben Skoronic, a seventh rounder that started the season on IR, Um, You know, out of, uh, you know, Notre Dame, he has to go out there and he has to play a starting role. So, you know, when you have that kind of inconsistency and just not really a continuity on offense that you normally would have had if you had Woods, it it flips on over to the defense and special teams. And so, you know, I feel like that was kind of the anomaly game there. But Stafford's shown you over the course of this season, he can win you games. And the second half, I mean, I, I keep bringing it up, the second half passer rating in the league, he leads the league in. When, you know, the, the basically the big time moment when things matter more, he steps up. I mean, he hasn't thrown a pick in the fourth quarter. He's been incredible only throwing touchdowns. And, you know, the game winner, uh, the game ceiling throw to, to Cooper Cup last week. Um, yeah. it, it's just been his ability to kind of respond and also adapt uh, to the fact that he doesn't need to play hero ball the way he did in Detroit.
1: Two passes, 64 yards, both the Cooper Cup to set up that 30-yard field goal from Matt Gay. Last time we broke down a game, Jake Ellenbogen together heading into a Rams playoff game. We were all over Van Jefferson's receiving yards prop against the Cardinals. It hit based on one target and one catch, but that's fine. When you look at the receiving yards props for this weekend against the Niners, Cooper Cup, as we affectionately call him, 103 and a half. It's slightly ridiculous, but still, I think Cooper can go over that number. Elsewhere across the board, who do you expect to have a big performance offensively for the Rams on Sunday?
3: Yeah, I mean, I do think Cooper's going to go over that, by the way. That would be the first time uh, a receiver has had three straight games against one team in a season over 100 yards. So the way he's played this year wouldn't surprise me. Only receiver to ever have over 2,000. But I think you have to look at guys like Van Jefferson, Odell. Because, you know, the Niners know what Cup can bring to the table. And the thing is, mm. you know, when you're using – when you're, you're, your back is against the wall, the sewer Bowl's on the line, I personally don't think Sean McFay has pulled out all the tricks yet, um, and, and he really didn't the last time they played. So it kind of tells me he's been holding back a little bit, if, if I could even say that. But, uh, you know, with Odell and, and Van, I mean, these are two guys that can stretch the field. Uh, Cooper Cup, you know, you talk about last week they said he ran – you know, a a route called for the love of the game route, where normally not, you're not, you're really never going to get the ball. He just happened to get open. And I think, you know, what that does is create separation and spreads the field a little bit, opens things up over the middle. You know, I keep an eye on uh, Odell for sure because of his ability in space. And I think, you know, they'll do a better job of getting the ball. Um, You know, and I think the worry with his receiving yards prop is that, he's a guy that i look at as he could be a potential end around you know carrie's guy where he might have a big Hmm. run or something like that van is the same way um but you know i think the guy that you really have to keep in mind here is tyler higby he caught two touchdowns last time you know he played against the uh the 49ers to me I might even bet, you know, the over and and say that he gets two touchdowns in this one. I mean, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't give that a shot since he's already done that. They utilize him very well in the red zone, and he just hasn't been able to be stopped in the red zone. So that's a really the guy that I'm leaning on, as well as Cam. Akers, Jake, I we would say have to get to
1: break. I do apologize, but great breakdown.
0: More the morning after next. Thanks.
1: Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid Grid Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens. Conference Championship Sunday and this has been a full-blown football Friday on TMA. But as we close out our number two, we also look to college basketball in a great Saturday slate tomorrow. You can think of it as an appetizer for your football weekend. And if we're talking CBB on a friday that means we can only go one place the jack cap of the week the jack weinberger handicap of the weekend our former intern here on tma now an associate producer with sports grid nobody handicaps basketball football even baseball games quite like jack weinberger and the focus for jack this week is a great matchup in the big east providence is playing some unreal basketball right now against the Marquette team that is also as hot as can be the Golden Eagles have won seven straight games they have covered in seven straight their last four were winning outright as an underdog so this was the focus for Jack a matchup between Providence and Marquette tomorrow he was in his car a couple of days ago about to make a left turn when all of a sudden two birds just fly right out of nowhere in front of his front window it threw him off for a bit and he got a massive horn from another driver behind him like what is this kid jack weinberger doing it reminded jack of how much he doesn't like birds one time a bird went to the bathroom caca in his hand man i'm not a fan of birds at all jack tells me a golden eagle is a big dangerous bird a golden eagle is the mascot of marquette so he'll be slamming providence and the points at home on saturday against Marquette. Providence should be a slight two, three-point favorite. Jack is taking the Friars, laying the points. If you haven't paid attention to Ed Cooley and company, I believe Providence is something like 17-2 and two this year. Jack says, lay it with the Friars at home at the dunk on Saturday against Marquette. That, your Jack Weinberger, handicap of the weekend for college basketball. Hour number three, a very happy hour of the morning after, is up next here on TMA.